The reading for today is Matthew 19, verses 13 through 15. Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. I know, pretty cliche for the children's coordinator to pick that verse, but thank you so much for being here today. Whether you are in person or online, it's just wonderful to have you at Village Church Roseville. So it was about a few weeks ago that I was actually in kids' church early, setting up all the Easter decorations because that's the type of year it's been, right? It was Easter, and then we blinked, and now we're setting up Christmas decorations. So it was actually a few months ago that we were setting up Easter decorations, and it was me and a few of the older elementary school kids that wanted to help. And I can't remember how we got on the conversation, but one of the kids asked me, they said, what was your kid's church like as a kid? Did you get to decorate that too? And I had to stop myself from laughing, not because of the question at all, we love questions at kids' church, but because of the image that came to my mind that was a little too much to explain to kids at the moment. But I've talked about this image with some of you before, and you had seen this image as well, whether it was a church you grew up in or somewhere, it was this, our kids' church or our Sunday school had this huge painted picture and it was Jesus holding just this innocent looking child, just one in each arm. And then there was this semicircle of kids around him, just perfectly poised, all sitting there smiling, looking up at him. And under it, it said, let the little children come to me. Beautiful image, right? Here's my challenge for you though. <laughs> I challenge you that at some point during a service, just peek through that little window back there when we're trying to do Bible time. There is always a child rolling on the floor. <laughs> and I know some of you at this point are like, oh no, that's, that's my child. Let me tell you something. It is all of our children. If you have a kid, I don't care what age they are. If they have been back at kids church at some point, they have either rolled on the floor or spun in circles when we did Bible time and they still grasp the message. Like kids are amazing. <laughs> so this image that comes to my head, you know, and there's nothing wrong with having that image or, you know, the church I grew up in, it was a great, great church, but I just, I don't see that image as cutting it. Not because it's impossible to get kids to stay still, nor should they at that age, but because as much as we all love to think about beautiful children, when we hear this verse, I think it gets away from the true intention. Because there's a part of this passage that they just seem to gloss over in Sunday school growing up. And it's that part that says, but the disciples rebuke them. I mean, imagine how that would play over, you know, in kids' church, explaining to kids that have very little biblical context of what life was like at the time, saying, so the disciples, yeah, they didn't like you much, but Jesus loves you. This passage 
is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Apparently John didn't like children. In Matthew and Luke, there is an added sentence after let the little children come to me. Luke 18, 17 specifically says, truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. In Matthew, it's just a chapter before in Matthew 18 that the disciples, basically being big kids themselves, were asking who would be the greatest in heaven. I love the disciples for this reason. Like when I get to go to heaven, I'm so excited to go to heaven. I don't care what position I get there. I'm in heaven, y'all. But the disciples, the ones that get to be with the physical presence of Jesus 24-7 are fighting in the corner about who's going to be the greatest in heaven. I just love the brutal honesty of how the disciples were. But they're asking this question. And Jesus grabs a child and says, unless you can change and become like this child, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. Sounds tough, but stick with me. So the Bible passage that we're focusing on today, as much as it pains the children's coordinator part of me to say, isn't exactly about kids. I mean, it is, but it's about so much more. Because in Jesus's time, the culture wasn't kid-centric like it is nowadays. Actually, some have argued that the world only started to become more kid-focused after Jesus, since he was the one that pushed the notion that every single person is worthy, regardless of their status in society. At the time, it was a lot more than this whole children are seen but not heard mentality. They gave no worth to society yet, so they were kind of along like the lowest on the totem pole of societal hierarchy. So those that were deemed among the lowest in society were the ones that the disciples pushed away. Now, scripture doesn't say exactly why, but I'm guessing, you know, because there wasn't an emphasis on it, they probably thought nothing of it. They didn't have the complete understanding that Jesus was not only for all people, but that the kingdom of heaven was turned completely upside down compared to the way society works. They didn't yet understand this whole last will be first notion. So what we often skim over when we hear that passage is that the disciples, the ones closest to Jesus, tried to send away the people that resemble the very image of what heaven looks like. Not kids, but who society seems to give little notice to, people that just aren't on the radar. So when we see everyone as worthy and we welcome all without barriers, we welcome the kingdom of heaven now. When we go against societal norms and we're real enough to love all, despite the past, despite the messiness and the chaos of this life, we become the least of these that join in on the kingdom of heaven here. So that leads us to a big question then, how can we do a better job of welcoming the kingdom of heaven here on earth? How can we make sure that we're not hindering like the disciples did? They didn't mean to, and we don't mean to, but how do we go that extra second mile to make sure that we're welcoming the kingdom of heaven now? And the first is the idea that Jesus was pro-people. 
He was pro all people. That didn't mean that he agreed with everything everyone did. A lot of us know how he felt about the Pharisees, but he truly loved all and welcomed all. Even the people that society didn't really think of even giving value to at the time. He sought out those that society deemed as the lowest by not giving much attention to them and continually tried to tell people, this is what heaven looks like, people such as these. In Luke 14, Jesus is hanging out with the Pharisees. We know how he felt about them, but he hung out with them too. And he notices how the guests of honor choose their seats at the table. So he says to the host, and this is Luke 14, um, 13 to 15, it says, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, your sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be paid, repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. This doesn't mean stop inviting your brother or your sister to family dinner tonight. So when he says that to everyone, there's something significant about that because Jesus says this straight up to the host after giving a parable about being humble. Usually Jesus doesn't explain his parables. And if he does, he explains it to the disciples after. But in this one, after he tells the parable about being humble, he turns around straight to the host and says that. I just finished reading this excellent book by Dr. Amy Kenny that talks about disability justice in the church. And she talks a lot about this verse. In it, she explains that by them saying the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, it's not about having a pity party and inviting those less than, it's what heaven looks like. Jesus is trying to say that those a society deems as the lowest, whether intentional or not intentional, Jesus is saying, this is who is filling up heaven. This is who is at the banquet, people such as these. And the only way to join them is to become them. And when we're pro all people, we welcome the kingdom of heaven. When we love all and we go out and we reach out as many people as we can, we are pro all people. I noticed a shift in our kids' church curriculum recently. We get a curriculum from a wonderful place and we actually chose it because of how inclusive of a curriculum it is. They would always add notes for like alternatives. Um, they have some examples of if you have a child with epilepsy or sensory needs or mobility issues, you can do this instead. And I used to think that was great until they stopped doing it. They stopped doing it completely. And I have to admit the human part of me was very angry and I struggled with it for a couple of weeks, not too long, but I did struggle with not seeing it until I realized something. So they now create the curriculum for all kids. They don't include games that everyone can't play. The creators of the curriculum made sure that all could come to the table in the way that they knew best. So what does that look like for us today? 
It looks like being pro-people, wherever you're at and whatever you do. It's loving everyone the same, no matter what your beliefs are, and making sure that all are welcome to the table. None of us can be guaranteed that we get our theology 100% correct. Actually, the likelihood of any of us getting theology 100% correct is minimal. We can't be perfect, we're human. But we can grow perfect in loving people. Actually, that's the only part of the Bible that tells us to be perfect. It's in Matthew 5:48, and Jesus is telling us how to love our enemies. And he says to be perfect. It's after that that he tells us specifically, or before that, that he tells us specifically how to love our enemies. We can become perfect in love. So we need to make sure we're doing the opposite of hindering. We need to make sure we're welcoming. And that's more than loving your enemies or praying for your enemies, even though that's a great thing, but we hear that a lot. We might have, oh, some of us might have someone that we struggle with so much that we consider an enemy. But in reality, the majority of people that we don't even realize that we're hindering from coming to the table are people that simply aren't on our radar to welcome. Maybe that Debbie Downer at work that tells you why her life is terrible all the time, that coworker that seems to always chew with their mouth open, that cousin that you have an on and off again relationship with and you can't exactly figure out why you're not close. That next door neighbor that isn't a bad person in any way, but you peer out the window before you go to your car just because you don't like doing small talk. Maybe that's just me. <laughs> that person in your class that you never think to actually talk to because you don't think you have anything in common. That woman at the grocery store that bags your items and tells you have a great day and you say you too and then you go on your way and you don't think about that person until the next time that you see them. These people that we see here and those that others that don't make it to the forefront of our brains, they're actually people that we might be hindering and we don't intend to hinder people by any means, but neither did the disciples. Now, this isn't a guilt trip. This doesn't mean to just absentmindedly push an invite to everyone that comes to your head right away and say, hey, come to church. Jesus met people where they're at, and so should we. This is why Village Church Rollsville does so much in the community, not to just convince people to come here to church, but to be the church outside of church, to be welcoming in a world that isn't always so welcoming, to tell people, hey, we see you. You matter here. You belong here. Your kids belong here and we're not gonna hide them or make them be quiet. So who is someone that isn't always at the forefront of your mind that you could be praying for today? I'm sure through the examples, even if the person wasn't on there, there's someone that God placed in your heart. That's no accident. Maybe you'll be thinking about this in the middle of the night, you'll wake up and think of a person God's timing is so much better than our timing, but be open to who God might place in your heart. That person, they might need Jesus right now. And even if they're not there yet, 
they might need community right now. And that's a great place to start. And the great part is once you do that first awkward part of talking about church, of talking about God, the rest is up to the Holy Spirit. You don't have to do the hard work convincing someone to love God. You're simply there to act as Jesus's hands and feet and let the Holy Spirit do the rest. Faith is awkward. Talking about God in a world that doesn't talk about God a lot is awkward, but we're never called to be comfortable. We are called to love our neighbor, even when it's awkward. But maybe I'm going through that list of people and maybe instead of someone coming to your head, you realized it was you. Maybe you don't know how you found yourself ending up here at church when you're not the biggest fan of organized religion. Whether it's here or somewhere else, I encourage you to find a place that is pro-people, people that just welcome the messiness and they don't expect you or anyone in your family to be perfect. They just welcome you as you are. They keep you on the radar. If you're that person, keep doing brave things because it can be a really brave thing to come to church, especially if you don't know people. Keep taking the steps, even if it's a few steps backwards to propel yourself forward. I just invite you to keep doing brave things. So I invite all of us today during some quiet time tonight or maybe with your family to just be thinking about a person that you can meet them where you're at, you can listen and you can show them the love of Jesus. May we be open to God revealing to us where we can replace hindering with welcoming, with opening arms, with open arms, just as Jesus did. Thank you.